0: Mate, this is going to be awesome. It must nice to, to come down this that one. Hit him! Hit him! It's more than just a hobby; it's who we are. It's all oh. Cracker! That's why we hunt. Welcome to the Educated Hunter Podcast. This episode of The Educated Hunter is brought to you by Ultimate OE. If you're a keen hunter and outdoorsman and you're thinking about heading over to do your overseas experience in the near future or you think it's high time you did one, then you should really consider doing one of our hunting experiences. These days we offer hunting experiences in both Canada and Scotland, which are designed for hunters by hunters. We look after all of the paperwork side of things, help you out with your visa, make sure you're covered legally, all that kind of stuff, make sure that's streamlined. And we also teach you everything you need to know before you leave New Zealand. This allows you to hit the ground running when you get to the country, so both Canada and Scotland, different trainings for different places. It's industry specific, so we teach you what you need to know or what your employers want you to know before you get there. This allows us to secure the best possible jobs, so we have access to the best jobs in both Scotland and Canada, and they're all paid jobs. we work with only the best outfitters so if you want a little bit more out of your oe you want to go over there have a real adventure do something really unique and expand your mind and experience as a hunter see how the rest of the world does it or at least how they do it in scotland and canada Uh, this is a great stepping stone so if you're interested flick us an email at ultimateoe at gmail.com or check out our website ultimateoe.co.nz for more details
1: Welcome. Tonight I have a conversation with Caden Willis. Caden is a passionate bow hunter and spends essentially every spare moment he has on the hill. We have a really good conversation. Caden helps me out with, I guess, some introduction to bow hunting, as this year I've decided I am going to take up bow hunting. We also discuss some important topics around ethics and, importantly, the way hunters take on the responsibility and how we portray ourselves to the uninformed. And typically this is done through social media. So the need for ourselves to take on a editor-type role, but what it is that we share needs to be positive. It's a really good conversation. I certainly learned a lot from a young guy. He's only 21, but has a big maturity in hunting. He's done it a lot. So I won't hold us up any further. Please enjoy the podcast with Caden Willis. So, uh, welcome Caden, good to have you here. I know, uh, you know, last week you sort of battled man flu and we've got through that and uh, now we're here to have a good chat.
2: Yeah, yeah, the man flu hit me pretty hard as it does, but you know, it's good to be here, good to be here.
1: Cool, thank you. So obviously, um, the little I know of you, because I don't, I don't know you personally as say we've got some common friends, but um, you know, I know you're a very avid bow hunter, but I guess the bow hunting probably isn't where it started. So where, where did hunting start for Caden? Like where was your, what what was your introduction to hunting?
2: Well, to be honest with you, bow hunting was my introduction. I've bow hunted my entire life. Um, my father's got pictures like in my little baby photo album with me in a backpack and him bow hunting. Right. So I, I was pretty privileged growing up. He was just dead set into bow hunting. Uh yeah. did a, dabbled in a bit of pig hunting. Um, when I was younger, but just mainly just bow hunting. So he was in his bow hunting prime, as you could say, when I was when I was young, sort of in those ages between like born and ten to twelve. He was just flat out, and so those are those prime years when your, your old man becomes your idol, and you're just flat out yeah. following him around, and it just it just stuck from that,
1: and I've yeah. n- never looked back. That that sort of must, I guess, buck. A traditional trend or definitely the version i had of traditional t- trends like i sort of from my work overseas and so forth i've seen rifle hunters transition to bow hunting uh partly to i guess to recreate a challenge i, I guess and and, and 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 yeah i guess recreate a challenge find some new um, respect and challenge within the industry um but certainly you've bucked some trends so so your dad's a uh, an efficient bow hunter, yeah, say? yeah, yeah. Yep. No, and he loves it. He still hunts with the bow as well,
2: yep. He does, he doesn't do as much as what he did. Um, I hate to say it, I think I took the sort of shine off it for him <laughs> because as I got older, um, any opportunity we'd see, he was really good and he pushed me up front to just have a crack at it. More often than not, I'd bugger it up, but that's the best way to learn, yeah. Um, and he's slowly starting to get back into that now, yeah. Um, he had a really good roar and try a couple of good stags and that
1: sort of thing and so he's quite chuffed and um yeah that's that's cool so yeah i guess you know as we get older and transition transition through hunting and working and living in different locations we pick up new idols or people to follow within the hunting but your your father is essentially yeah. 100%. 100%. Is your mentor
2: It still is like he's yeah. still the person that I want to be with my bow hunting. Mm-hmm. Um so when I was young he was shooting big boars and record book tar and stags and all sorts of things. Um and he was doing very well for himself and so to grow up around that, that's all I ever want to be. Um and now living here in Canterbury I'm just still flat out trying to do that. But I don't so I, I grew up in the Marlborough Sounds. So I grew up chasing deer and pigs. Um, round here, well, I don't really have anywhere to chase them. And so I just go up on the public land just like everyone else and I bow hunt for tar. Mm-hmm. Tar and chamois and it's an epic challenge. Yeah. It's unreal. But once it all happens, it's so fulfilling. And that's something that he hasn't done that much of over the years. Like he's done, done a bit but never as often as what I do now. And so it's quite cool to be able to do a different challenge that he hasn't done that much of.
1: Yeah, so, like, listening to you you say that, because obviously as I create more interest with this podcast, people start messaging me privately with different topics and, and so forth. And a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, the, the dock land and how arguably in some areas it's hard for people to get into hunting on those you know areas based on the the numbers of animals, um, access and stuff. And then here you are, and and again, excuse my ignorance. If if it comes across that way, it doesn't mean to come across that way. Like as a bow hunter with arguably more challenges than a rifle hunter, still achieving regular success. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, yeah. reasonably regular Reason, success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. my bow enjoys going out for hikes, so it's yeah. a win. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like the animals are there. You just have to look for them. And the more experience you get on the hill, the better you'll get for that. Every bit of dock land is is just as good as another, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of the places I hunt tar are very, very frequently hunted. Mm -hmm. I sat on a ridge one day and I watched nine parties of hunters go past. And I still shot two tar that evening with my bow. It's -hmm. just all just get away from where everyone is. Mm -hmm. Um, Wait till that prime time and just playing your stalk, I think that's the main thing about bow hunting is you have to plan your stalk a lot more. And once you start doing all of that, then you could have just as much success on public land as you can private land. Mm.
1: And, and, and planning your stalk as such, if you're sort of, and this is going to segue into, uh, I guess, hunter safety, like if you're in the bush hunting animals with a bow, I assume... <laughs> there's a lot of the, a lot of the stuffs going to be very from a rifle hunter because I'm not a bow hunter. Yeah, this stage. for sure. Um, there's going to have to be, I would assume, more emphasis on looking at that animal, identifying that target. Yeah. Um, you know, just being very wary of what part of the animal you're looking at, because essentially, you know, you, you, yeah. There's a an element where you need to be more accurate with your kill zone, um, like. And, and and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts with the way um, hunting restrictions are imposed internationally around ageing animals, sexing animals, sizing animals, arguably creating a safer environment for hunters. And then as a bow hunter, you, you're sort of ticking those boxes without any enforcement to do so. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, well,
2: you just have to be so much closer. Um, as we all know, sometimes in the bush it's hard to tell. Um, but with the bow, everything has to be spot on to make a, like a clean kill. So you're not going to be taking a, like a shot through bushes (laughs) or yeah, Yeah. like a, yeah, 50, 50 shot. You just sort of, you try and avoid those sort of things because the, you need the, like the best chance you can get to kill an animal with the bow. Mm -hmm. Um, and me myself, I try not to take a shot unless I'm a hundred percent sure, I'm gonna have a clean kill on the animal, mm-hmm. and so whether that means get closer, um, be able to see more, and all of that sort of jazz, it's just it's just one of those things.
1: Mm-hmm. And I guess eventually, part of it also is just not making a shot and being happy with that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's what happens. Like people would fall over backwards when they like if they found out how many stalks I have that just don't work. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it happens all the time like I stalked a big boar uh, three weeks ago now and got into six meters of him and he's digging a big hole and he was a really good mature pig digging a big hole and I could only see the sort of like the top third of his back and with a rifle you could potentially put one through his shoulder blade and Mm -hmm. that's the end of that and he's just going to roll down the hill but with the bow there was just no way I could slip an arrow into his boiler room and so I just couldn't Mm -hmm. take the shot i was pretty well covered and uh super switched on and he just put his head up and he just knew something was going on Mm -hmm. i was dead still um behind him at a gary bush he couldn't see me um and he just turned and just walked away Hmm. they just don't they don't think about it they just walk away once you get inside that super close range the animals don't muck around they just if Mm -hmm. they think something's up something's up
1: Yeah. so so that's because like as a rifle hunter, I really haven't, I've never probably been that close to any animal. Um, not not deliberately. Yeah. Certainly there's been animals that have surprised me as much as them. But, um, so that's a common, like when you get that close to an animal, they don't really need a reason. If they feel uncomfortable, they just get up and move.
2: Yeah. Big boars and bull tar are really bad for it. Mm-hmm. They'll just, it's the same as if you're chasing a, a stag around in the roar in the bush you'll be roaring at him, he'll be roaring at you, and the moment you get a little bit closer to him and you roar back, he'll just walk away. Yeah, They do the same thing, like once you're in close, even though they don't know you're there, um, they sometimes just put their head up and walk away. Tara are real bad for, because they've got such good eyesight, they'll just catch a glimpse or anything really, they might see you'll be crouched down behind a bush and they might just see a little bit of movement, and once you're inside that sort of 30 metres once they catch that bit of movement, that, that's all and they're, they're gone.
1: Yeah, right. You can't really blame them for that. like as a, Yeah, that's as right. A, as, a, as an animal that, you know, is, is being, you know, arguably hunted by a predator, um, yeah. you can't blame them for that. So I know trying to track you down for this podcast, um, you were sort of, you, you mentioned on the phone, like I've been hunting every opportunity since March, was it? Oh, February. February. Yeah, you know, yeah. And we're now... Mid two Thursday through June. Yeah. Uh. So your 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 frequency on the hill is high.
2: Yeah. 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 I'm just flat out. Yeah. Um, I just love being out on the hill. Mm-hmm. Love being out there with my bow and the challenge. Like haven't had a a lot of success over that time. Mm-hmm. Um. But you got to be in it to win it. You mm-hmm. won't shoot them sitting at home, especially yeah. with the bow. Yeah. Um. So I've been out there just trying to maximize my time on the hill to hopefully get opportunities mm-hmm. and. More often it's not, it just hasn't quite worked out with this sort of changing weather. It's changed the wind a lot, and so the wind will be going up the galley and down the galley, across the galley, and there's been a lot of close encounters that have been busted by the wind recently.
1: So you must, you know, based on that frequency and then the the comparative success or, or the measure of success on a, on a successful kill, because obviously I, I fully appreciate there's a lot of other successes going on that's not only a reference to the an animal dying. You must be quite, unquote like, quite, quite pig headed or resilient. Like you like there must be something that internally that just drives you every week to get better, to achieve more, to get a bigger animal. Like there's got to be something going on that yeah, drives
2: you. <laughs> I think I think I've got a few too many screws loose to be honest. <laughs> far too young and far too fit for my own good. Yeah. Um just yeah, I don't know what it is, I'm just always mad keen to get out, like, living in Christchurch here sort of knocks me around, Monday to Friday, I'm in the city, having come from high country contracting down south, being in the hills every day of the week, and the mm-hmm. weekend roll around, and just be hunting, it was, it was, it was luxury to be honest, yeah. Um. and so it just drives me insane in the Cronkite jungle, and then once the weekend rolls around, I'm just into it, rain, hail, or shine. Yeah.
1: That's good, and you got to do it while you're young. I was maybe not that that uh, that. Um, I guess my volume probably wasn't maybe that high. Um, it was arguably that high, but probably not as intense. You know, I grew up doing a lot of pig hunting and, and stuff like that, so I hunted every weekend or two or three times a week. But I had the avail- availability to go home daily type thing. You know, I assume you're out a lot more than that. Um, so, so you're obviously mad keen. You've got some screws loose. Um, Like, how many animals have you now harvested with this bow?
2: Never clue, to be honest. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Enough that I'm not hungry. (laughs) Yep. So that's a big thing for me. I'm not really one to just chase numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, My partner and I, we live off the animals that I shoot with my bow, Mm -hmm. and I get a really good kick out of that, that the meat we're eating every night is like meat that I've harvested with my bow on the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is quite neat.
1: Yep, definitely. And I, like I, I run on that same thinking, albeit with a rifle. Um, you know, I think it's really important to have a family that I provide for uh, that eat good organic meat. Uh, and I, I think it's just, it's something we as hunters in New Zealand probably undervalue, really. Um, I know I know we all enjoy eating it, but it's something that, you know, we should put more emphasis on our hunting. Like the resourcefulness, the using all the meat. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. We, we are a little bit complacent based on the fact that we don't have to be. We don't have to be any more than that. Yeah. Um. And I actually I read a um, read listened to an audiobook the other day, and, and one of the word the lines that came out of it was, "You are what you eat ate," and the reference where they were going with that was, "the the health and the nutrients you get out of your meat." actually comes from what they ate. And then when I think about that, and I think, well, our wild animals are on land that never had any chemicals, never had any spray, mm. never had, you know, so it's, yep. it's, it's not only a fit, healthy animal, like what the animals we're living on is, you know, good nutrient, healthy stuff. So I really like that aspect of it. But um, so so for a bow hunter in New Zealand, um, like what is your, what is, what's your ultimate? Like what's right now, Caden Willis? What is it you want to achieve? Uh,
2: for me, what I want to achieve isn't just in New Zealand; it's in the like the South Pacific, so Australia, and that sort of thing. Is the South Pacific Fifteen? Um, so I'm well, sort of chasing that. I'd like to chase it. I just don't have the time to do so. Mm-hmm. There's too much hunting to do around home first, um, and so that's my main goal at the moment, is to. Get all of the fifteen recognized big game species. So what,
1: what, can you identify those fifteen for me?
2: Uh there'd be. tar, chamois, whitetail, tail, seeker, wapiti, pig, Samb- hog deer, samba.
1: Red, I think you missed yeah.
2: red. fellow. Um, mm. I know goats are on there as well. Yep. Um the
1: other, the other buffalo or is that?
2: Yeah, sorry, Buffalo, yep. Bantang and chittle Yeah, Chittle, yep. sorry, yeah, yep. as well. About there, yep. Yeah, so on am most of the way <laughs> there I just have <laughs> That's yeah good. Yeah. It's it's a hell of a mouthful. Yeah. But so I just need to chase a wapiti and Seeker here in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And over in Australia I need to chase Bantang and hog Deer. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones out of the fifteen that I haven't chased yet. Really? Um, so yeah, we'll just keep 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 trying. When the, it away. Yeah, when the chance yeah. pops
1: up. So there's out. a are they doing there on on the mainland now? Is that is that chill? like the? I, I don't know a lot about them, but the little I do know, they were Snake Island, is
2: it? Yeah, uh, I the think through? they are still like you can still hunt them in Victoria. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about them because they never really. Um, came under my radar until mm-hmm. they awesome. were a part of the 15 yeah, yeah. so
1: and the and back to hunting that 15 is that any sex or do they have to be male or was it
2: uh just any sex it's more a species thing mm-hmm. but for me personally I, i'd like to have males um mm-hmm. i've definitely got to upgrade my chittle yeah um but the rest of them are all all stags and that sort of thing. So I'm quite stoked to have done that with the bow. Yeah. Um. To me, that's quite a cool achievement mm-hmm. in itself. And yeah, just have to just keep chasing those other ones when the opportunity turns up.
1: Hmm. And so that that's obviously your, your, your tick list. Like, what for bow hunting or somebody that was thinking about getting into bow hunting and myself inclusive. Like, is there is there national recognition, like recognition? Sorry, poor poor England. Is there national recognition? Like, is uh, is there a national branch, uh, you know, or a club? Or, I don't I don't know anything about it. Yeah, so. yeah
2: there is. There's a um, New Zealand Bowhunting Society, and so that's pretty much just a big club. Um, that oh, it's an awesome setup. Uh, there's not. It's sort of dying away a little bit. There's not as many members as what they used to be. Um, and each year they hold a tournament where you can go and shoot targets and they put out a newsletter in the form of a magazine every every couple of months and they have all sorts of trophies and things and so they have a game list on all the animals in New Zealand, and they have allocated points for mm-hmm. each animal and they have record books and all sorts of things so if you say if you go out and you shoot a deer. And you're a member of the NZBS, you can fill out the claim form, get a witness to sign or put a photo with it, send it away to the game recording officer and mm-hmm. he records all of that and it all gets put forward for the tournament and they give out awards and, and all sorts of things like that. So that that is quite neat and it's yeah. a really good um, community at- atmosphere. So like growing up and being around my dad and all of that, I was always around them as well and... They're just awesome people to be around. Everyone's happy to help, mm-hmm. uh, which is the coolest part about like bow hunters. Is everyone's really nice to each other, happy to help with tips, and sometimes take you for a walk if you're lucky enough. Mm-hmm. And the NZBS do um, a few trips that they organise each year. Mm-hmm. And if I recall correctly, my old man met his best mate on one of those chopper trips way back in the day. Right. Yeah, That's so cool. it was that was that like that sort of thing's pretty cool because it's a lot of like minded people going to do. I like mine to come. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, I guess at at the start of that, you sort of made a reference that the numbers are declining, which, well, sorry, that's how I that's how I understood it. But arguably, bow hunting is as popular as it's ever been, and and on the incline. Is it? Is
2: it? Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. That'd be right. And I know, like the the sport is getting a lot popular. as... Because it gets out there more and more on social media and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I know for the sake of the tournament that they do every year, the numbers are going down, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame because it's a really good weekend. And next year is going to be awesome. It's up in Marlborough, and it's a really, a really cool sort of atmosphere for bow hunters. There's a lot of bow hunters there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure why it's declining, but it'd be cool if it picked back up.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're obviously passionate about the sport as a whole um and you know i know after sort of doing some research on Caden, like you have some really good stuff on social media like obviously it's from a a hunting point of view as a whole it's really important that the social media is and as a hunter you portray yourself on social media as ethical and um you know have a passion for the animals and have a passion for what you do but but why is it important for you to be on social media
2: um i'm on social media because i want to try and get like get it out there about bow hunting and how cool the sport it is and the places it'll take you so i've been to some incredible places um, over my life just through bow hunting
0: mm.
2: um like i went away with the missus a while back now and it was actually the first time i'd gone on holiday without going hunting <laughs> my whole life yeah, yeah it was actually quite crazy but it takes you to some incredible spots. And so me being on Facebook and Instagram and that sort of thing is just me trying to get the whole idea of it out there to hopefully encourage more people just to just give it a go.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is where we're going to start because obviously, like I've, I've mentioned to you, I want to get into bow hunting. Um, and, and for me, I've got a lot of reasons to get into the bow hunting. It's not necessarily – I haven't even decided if I want to – Hunt animals with the bow yet I haven't got that far uh strangely enough but i i wanna get i i wanna get into bow hunting because i wanna challenge uh you know i've been hunting for let's show' my age here twenty five odd years um it's longer than i've been alive <laughs> exactly yeah. but i wanna i wanna i wanna <laughs> challenge but i also like i my personality is one of if I don't have a reason to stay fit and flexible I just won't i'm just like. <laughs> But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, office job. Uh, you know, so so I want that because I want to. I want it to be a reason that I get fitter and, yeah. and actually work on stretching. Because I, from the outside looking in, I'm going to need to be fitter. I'm going to be need to be more flexible. I'm going to need to be more patient. Um, so I want I want to get into bow hunting for all that, and I want to get into bow hunting because as much as I love hunting, the the based on where I live, and the, the time and effort just to go and shoot rounds to, to I guess, better educate myself within the sport um, isn't, isn't that straightforward. Whereas I like the idea of, here, you know, I've got 12 acres, I can set myself up, somewhere safe to shoot the bow, and on my day-to-day, when I just need my current time, I can go out there and just shoot the bow, well, a few times anyway, try and clear my head. And, and so... Yep, I want to get into bow hunting, and it probably will lead to me wanting to shoot animals with the with the bow, but right now, bow hunting is an argument for so many other things. It's not, a, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, which excites sure. me. I'm, I'm like, you know, you get, again, without a reference to how old I am, like, you get older and all of a sudden, other than family and, and my new daughter and stuff like that, like, I've, I've got less out-and-out out passions, if that makes sense. And yeah, it all makes sense. Other yeah. things pop up. Yeah, yeah, so um, I want bow hunting to be that for me. So, like, how does a guy get started? Well, <laughs> to to go right back to starting,
2: your best bet would be ring up someone that knows what they're doing. So, like, a shop. Um, I go through Arrowhead Archery up in Northland, mm-hmm. and Trevor has been around bows for a very, very, very long time. And he knows he knows a bow like the back of his hand and so he'll be able to help you out and what sort of kit you need your measurements for your draw length and set it all up for you to get started and that's the that's the cool thing about bow hunting is you can put a target on your back lawn and just shoot your bow Mm -hmm. um so that's what I've done growing up and that sort of thing even if it's just you knock off work for the day and there's a couple of hours of daylight left and you shoot 10 or 15 hours Mm -hmm. um and the beauty of it all is even that is challenging. Yep. Especially when you first start. And yep. so like I'd yeah, I'd hundred percent stick to a target until you're you're dead set, confident that you're gonna be able to make a good shot. Mm. And don't try and stretch it out to long distances, sort of like forty, fifty metres. Try and stay inside twenty metres. Um, so I remember when I was young, my old man wouldn't let me shoot outside fifteen meters. Mm -hmm. at the target at an animal anything and he wouldn't even let me go out hunting unless i was shooting well so -hmm. he'd come out and watch me and sort of a bit like your driving test you wipe all the sweat away and like right just a couple of good shots and i'm away and you take a couple of good shots and you take you out the hill um but keep everything close to get that confidence up confidence up and the good technique um to pull off a good shot Mm -hmm. and even that alone is challenging Mm -hmm. but then once once you sort of go through all of that and you get out on the hill to go for a hunt then you've got to try and get into that range of an animal, which is a whole other challenge in its own. That's where the fitness sort of comes in because more often than not, you've got to go the long way. Mm-hmm. you got to loop around the hill so it can't see you and come up over the top and bits and pieces like that. Every now and then it sort of happens straightforward, but not very often. That whole, yeah. yeah,
1: that's awesome. That's, that's a really, uh, like, regardless of whether you've obviously gone down the bow hunting uh, route, but even if you'd chopped and changed and picked up rover hunting, like the. The theory behind your father teaching you, No, if you bow hunt, and this is this is what you need to be achieving. This will create ethical kills. This will, like you know that yeah. was really good material to learn as a young fella when you're that keen. Like you know, I can imagine when I you know compare that to my father teaching me to hunt. I was that keen and pestering that I'm pretty sure at some points he just said used yes to shut me up and get me on the hill. It was easier yeah, to deal with that right. then yeah. you know. But it was really good of your father to to install that in you so back to the the boat like it is really important that your bow fits you isn't it yeah yeah so it's not something like because obviously with the popularity of bow hunting in New Zealand climbing the frequency I assume to find second hand bows on trade me and the likes is going to rise yeah and for me um, wanting to start you know like it's sort of a natural progression if you're going to start something don't spend all your bank at one time like just get in the game. So, so it is important to you know reach out, get some help. Yeah. Understand the sizing, and, and and go down that route first. Is that?
2: That right? is, yeah. Like if I was starting again, that's what I'd do. Just to make sure everything fits, because it'll be frustrating if you get a bow, and it doesn't fit properly, and you're trying to shoot and it won't. Like you'll have trouble with it because like you can't settle properly and. Say so your draw length is too short, you're sort of like sort of cramming in to, to get to your anchor point, and when you shoot, things move, and it's just inconsistent. And so, yeah, you're better off to get that professional advice to mm-hmm. to get the right kit from it, it, from the get go.
1: And with that, so they can do that remotely. Like, what what do I give them? My arm measurements, my height. Or yeah,
2: yeah. Well, so, like if you um, ring Trevor up at Arrowhead, he'll ask for those measurements and they'll let you know which measurements to get and that sort of thing and go from there. Ideally it'd be cool if you could go to a shop um, and they can just do it there but being up in Northland it's a bit hard to just Mm -hmm. wander down to the shop. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah that's the
1: way I'd do it. Um, And then and so so based on that the reaching out to get professional help which isn't something Kiwis typically jump at we tend to be fairly confident in our own abilities. Um, but I go through that process. Like, how much am I looking at to get set up to target? shoot? Like, this is not at a hunting stage, just to target and get used to bow, hunt, bow shooting, I guess.
2: It sort of just depends, really. Um, anywhere between, like, 800 bucks and 1600 bucks of heavy in a bow. But, like, personally, you're better off to spend a little bit more to start with and get a better quality bow that's going to perform better um, to give you a really good idea on it than getting something cheaper that may Mm -hmm. not go that well. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like if you, now as a grown person, you're going to hunt and fish and you buy a 22. So you'll spend half your money on that, and then six months down the track you're going to go and get a 308, but you've already spent half your money. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. People look at it different, but I think you're better off just to get that quality gear to start with. It doesn't have to be... The duck's nut straight off the bat, but something decent that's going to shoot really well mm-hmm. and give you a really good idea on what give it's you like. A really yeah, good indication on yeah
1: how it feels. So, so then for somebody like me, give me an idea of how many practice shots. What do you do a week? Like what's what's consistency? You know, on the average of because now you've I understand you do quite a lot. So, like of hunting, so the practicing probably is a bit lower at the moment, you know, being that you've been on the hill for five months, but average it out, like what sort of what should I be doing?
2: Well just even just a handful of shots after work each day is good. It's hard now in the winter because it's it's Definitely. dark by the time you finish finish work. But so like at the start of this big run I've done hunting, I was shooting my bow every day after work. So I might only shoot some days I might only shoot five shots, some days I might shoot thirty shots. Um, just to keep that consistency, everything feels good. You're shooting well. Your shot sequence is consistent, and yeah, like the more you practice, the better it is. Practice makes perfect, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So yeah, starting out, you, well, starting out, it's it's such a fun sport. You honestly want to shoot your bow all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um. But like, say because you're a busy man with your new daughter and that sort of thing, like 15 shots, 20 shots a day, once you're all sighted in, mm-hmm. you, you'd be humming in a no time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, awesome. Uh, that's really cool. So now a couple of sort of, I guess, questions that I, I've wanted to ask a bow hunter from a rifle hunting point of view. Um, and it's a, probably a little bit difficult based on the fact that you started bow hunting and I wasn't aware of that. But one thing that goes through my head, and I... I'll, I'll put some context on it in a minute, but like, if I go rifle hunt now, um, say, and to me, a trophy fellow is 240 Douglas score, or a 14, 16 point red, 300 Douglas scores a trophy, when I pick up a bow, is that still my trophy, or does does trophy drop to 200?
2: Oh, the trophy will drop to any deer you can get your hands on, because yeah. it can be that hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um so like I you'll like get yeah, yeah, like it just brings everything down. Like that it's so challenging to do that like say like if you're out pig hunting with the dogs, a uh, like a hundred and sixty pound ball is a real good pig and you are chaffed. A forty pound pig you'd be stoked with with your mm-hmm. bow if you haven't really shot that many. Mm-hmm. Or like a, a fourteen inch bull is a benchmark for a cracking bull tar, like a ten inch bull you'd be over the moon. Mm-hmm. Um it's just yeah, a super challenging sport, and really the trophy is in the eye of the beholder, yep. um, especially when it comes to bow hunting.
1: Yeah, I, I really like that, and I like it. I sort of when I hear that, and I'm glad you said that because that's what I was hoping you were going to say. But um, <laughs> yeah. but I like that because uh, with starting the the Scottish program that I've started this year, yeah. um, I've learned from another demographic around their version of trophy. You know, and um, for them, a four-point red stag with with big beams, arguably that that can cause damage in fighting, is a real trophy. Yeah. And I like that. Well, I I I like the fact that we as hunters actually still have the ability to change what we consider a trophy because I think that matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. You know, we're led to believe that nowadays, if your red stag isn't 12 points or 14 points or your bull tar is not 13 or 14 or inches and, and so forth and they're not trophies but like that kind of disappoints me. Hmm. Like because if if your first mature well not, not mature arguably but bull tar that isn't youthful is, is 10 and a half inches then that should be a trophy. 100%. And it should be perceived as a trophy by yourself and the community. Yeah. Like we should be supporting that. Like that and that where where I think we've lost that is because people aren't aren't reaching what we've perceived as trophy. Yeah, you know, and I think it's a real shame. It's it's a it's another shame when a guy's got twenty ten inch tar in the garage. Like that's gone beyond that. Yeah, one hundred percent. But, like, but yeah. people that are achieving milestones within uh, within their own hunting, and, and there has been a small change within New Zealand, but typically we're not great at just showing admiration and appreciation for that. Like
2: oh, we're. Yeah. Kiwis are shockers for that. Like sometimes I'm a little bit shy on putting things on social media because I might go out and I might show like a younger bull that I'm over the moon at, and you'll get you'll get ten people that are really chuffed for you, but then you'll get another three people that are just why would you do that? Yep. But to me, I know how hard I've worked for it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know that I've put everything into that animal. And how much of a trophy it is to me but then people just straight into it because mm-hmm. they they can sit back at 600 meters and go on oh, no, he's a pup he's a pup oh, yeah. he's a big boy whereas i've got to get into that like range beat the animal senses mm-hmm. but then still pull off a good shot with a bow yeah. like to be honest for me the hardest part about bow hunting is pulling off a good shot mm-hmm. so yeah like i was saying earlier there's heaps of animals that i've been in super close to and just not even got a shot Um,
1: I think that's really good I think that's a strength to hunting and like perhaps you know I can hope that at some point my bow hunting allows me to be there too like um, I also see bow hunting probably as a pretty good segue to going into photography like it's another thing I'm really interested in for those that actually know me will know how poor I am with a uh, camera but it is something that interests me and that, that you know like being fitter being more flexible learning what it does or doesn't take to... You know, like, I don't shoot long ranges. Like, I'm a 200, 250 guy, like... And for me, that's where I sit comfortable in terms of personal challenge, ethics. You know, that's yeah. where I sit. Um, but having to change that will then allow me to get in the zone for photography too, and I actually quite like that. Um, yeah, that's right. So that, there's, there's, there's a lot hunting's going to, oh, ideally bring to me. But um I guess... Now that we've sort of covered I guess bow hunting if you if you could hunt one animal internationally with the bow, do do you have one particular or does it still sit within that fifteen at the moment?
2: Um like I've got favourites that I I enjoy hunting mm-hmm. and that'd be like Bull Tar, um and mature chamois. Mm-hmm. Like they they would be at the top of my list. Um and yeah, growing up, I've put in a lot, a lot of time chasing them, um, to find them. Like they're that challenging. To like I, I've been hunting them. I shot my first chamois when I was fourteen, and my first tail when I was fifteen with the bow. And I'm now twenty one and been hunting them ever since. I'm still learning new things. Like mm-hmm. still. Still have trouble getting the yeah. little buggers.
1: So, um, so it'd be fair to say, as a as a hunter and, and, and bow hunter, if we narrow it down even more, like you get a lot more personal satisfaction and reward and challenge out of hunting as a whole. Like you know, you you're driven to achieve things that you didn't achieve the weekend before and stuff like that. And I like that. I really like that. But um, so if you are if you are spent this time and this effort on these taran have you won any awards for that kind of stuff or or does that uh, not a priority of yours like how does that sit with you
2: it's not really a priority for myself um this bow hunting year with the nzbs i was lucky enough to win the most big game points so that's just the animals that i'd shot i'd sent to my claim form and they counted up the amount of points that they allocated for those animals and I managed to win that, um, which I was quite stoked about, but I wasn't actually really chasing it. Yeah, wasn't the um, objective, it was just the result type yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's just just one of those things that happened. Um, when I was younger, uh, if I recall correctly, I won an award for being the youngest person to shoot a chamois with a bow when I was 14, um, but I think that's about all. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a record book for Tara and Chamois, but... That to be pretty bloody big for that, yeah, I just have my own personal goals mm-hmm. um, so when I was just out of school, I was living in Blenheim, and I just hunted chamois flat out and for a good couple of years and so my goal was to shoot a 10 inch chamois, and so I just went non-stop to do that and then yeah, one day I was lucky enough and managed to get the drop on the right back and shot him at seven meters hmm. and a year went spot on ten inch fresh that's perfect right? um, and so like for me getting something that you've worked so
1: hard for beats a trophy any day of the week yep so so you achieved that chamois objective have you raised the bar on that now or has the focus shifted to, to the tar like it well, does that work for Caden
2: not really I'd still love to just keep chasing them to be honest Yeah. Yep. I think it's just those couple of screws that are loose. <laughs> um but like yeah, I'd love to better that. Mm-hmm. Um like bigger Douglas score or bigger chamois, just any to me, any mature chamois with the bow is, is unreal. They're just so switched on. But now that I've got that I wanted to chase a um like a mature bull with the bow and I was lucky enough uh two years ago now to take a thirteen inch bull with a bow. Mm-hmm. And so just just keep trying to go out and they're not something that happens every day, no. Um, and so, yeah, there's been a lot of hard work in between then and now, and, and barely even got any opportunities.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. I like, I like the ethos that appears to come with bow hunters. Like, you know, I don't know a large amount of bow hunters, but even guys that have shifted from rifle hunting to bow hunting, it seems that their ethos sort of changes a little bit too, and I really like that. Yeah, but what, um, Again, back to me wanting to be a bow hunter. What, what from your version? What, what skills or attributes make a good bow hunter?
2: Um, motivation, to be honest, because bow hunting can be one of the most frustrating things you'll trip across. Like I tell this to everyone that gets into it. Like it may not be, but sometimes I find it pretty frustrating. Like just being able to shoot the bow properly everything has to work on the hill like with the stalk and the wind and everything and it can be darn frustrating um and so just got to be motivated most people say oh you must be super patient to be bowhunter i'm not patient at all mm-hmm. if you should see me in traffic <laughs> um i'm not very patient at all you can always find a way to get around and in on it and when you're sitting there within say 30 meters of a bull tar waiting for it to turn patience is the last thing on your mind you're just stoked to be that close mm-hmm. and so patience sort of comes into it but sort of doesn't just yeah like i say motivation you gotta be keen you won't shoot him sitting at home yeah and a big thing is willingness to leave the rifle at home yeah you'll never yeah. ever shoot That'll something probably you. yeah you'll never shoot something with your rifle on your back because a lot of people that are getting into it They'll bust one stalk and they'll find some gas in a good spot. They'll get into that 200 and they'll go, oh, nah, bugger and they'll blow it away. Yeah. Um, just be prepared to sacrifice a few animals. Leave that rifle at home. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if your freezer's full enough for your family, yeah. then just leave it at home because, it, yeah, it is quite challenging, especially to start with. Um, and just go and have a go. Mm-hmm. Just Give it an urge and see how it
1: goes, really. yeah. 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 So, you know, given that you spend so much time in close proximity to animals, what is it that goes through your head as a bow hunter? You know, like, like, what's your mental checklist? Don't cock it up. <laughs> but you know, like from a from a guy like myself that, that hunts the rifle like and I'm watching them from two hundred metres, like really I'm like, am I comfortable with this shot? How I got a good rest, wait for a shot to be presented. Like well, you're it's a, kind of like, How do I move to the left, how do I move to the right? as I see it? How do I take a deep breath? Like like there's so much more going on, yeah, like, yeah, I can get yeah. away with that for
2: the rifle. Well it's a, it's a it's a similar thing, but just a different like you're hunting with a bow, so you sort of like I'll get in close and once you get real close, you have to really plan each, each and every step of the stalk. So even sometimes you'll take two steps like to the side and you go, oh no, that's not going to work and you'll backtrack and you'll have to plan something else. And so you need to be forward thinking on the way in. But then you have to think of where the animal's going to be um what it's gonna be doing, like which way it's gonna be facing and all of that. And what I like to do is I like to visualize the shot, like where it where I think it's gonna be, mm-hmm. like which angle it's gonna be standing on, and so I'll visualize this shot as I'm sort of trying to multitask and think of where I'm gonna go. And so then if I'm visualising the shot where I'm gonna hold the pin, like my whole shot sequence coming a full full draw, coming to my anchor point, sort of floating my pin over its chest, looking past it into where I want to like, essentially hit the animal with my arrow and then just slowly squeezing off the shot. And then so I'll get into that range, I'll sit there, I'll go, yep, yeah, I'm comfortable with this range, comfortable with the wind, um, it's presenting a good shot, now I'll take that shot And because I've been visualising that shot, it's almost like muscle memory. And that's where all Mm -hmm. of the practice comes in as well. And so if you're consistently practising your shot sequence and all of that sort of thing, you'll just come to full draw and you won't even have to think. You'll come to full draw, that pin will go to where you are, like you're looking past the pin, like that little spot you want to hit it on, and it all just sort of happens. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I've... I've, I've fired some bows like my actually way back in my youth, but like yours, my granddad used to make the wooden bows and arrows for the archery clubs of New Zealand. Like oh that's okay. where my archery yeah. started, so it was very primitive. But um I guess in more recent years, like guiding elk hunters in Canada as bow hunters. And I for whatever reason you some people stick in your mind and and one guy was unsuccessful. With me, I had him for a second year, but he was unsuccessful the year before as well. And it wasn't for lack of animals or our proximity to animals. It was he just lost it, and and what I what I perceived as the most important twenty seconds of that whole hunt, like he just yeah. lost every time, and he was erratic, and I like, could be probably just too excited. I don't know. Like I don't know whether he was valuing the. The money you spent versus needing to get the sound oh, I don't know where
2: that's at. But... It'll be back fever, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my friend Simon up north, he's the one that told me to visualize a shot and it becomes muscle memory. He's a, he's a very good under, And he also said to me, just calm yourself down. The clearer everything is, like the way he put it across to me was, the clearer everything is when you're taking that shot, the longer you're going to remember it for. Mm-hmm. and so just calm yourself down, go through that shot sequence, and just try and be, like, cool, calm, and collective. Mm-hmm. But, like, in that instance, you got a bull elk there bugling, like, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be calm, I'd be yeah. shaking at yeah, the yeah, knees yeah. just about yeah. full. Oh, yeah, I
1: never any, any any negative response or blame on my behalf, like, because I wasn't a bow hunter, like, I didn't, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But, so, when you were sort of going through your sequence there, do you, and this is, purely, I guess, for my knowledge and hope for anybody that's listening, are you often stalking on animals, visualising where they will end up versus where they are? Because with a rifle, I shoot them where they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. You, other than a small distance.
2: Too? Well, it sort of depends um, when it comes to hunting on the tops, which is predominantly the, the majority of the hunting that I'm doing currently. You sort of have to work out where they're going, like if you see them walking through, because it may be too open just to drop straight in on where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you sort of have to try and predict where they're heading or what they're going to be doing so you can get yourself into that position and they might feed into that gut or or so on and so on. But then, yeah, you sort of have to be aware. Because I, I shot a nanny oh, I can't remember, a few months ago now and it took everything I had to get the drop on her. She was so switched on, a, a real big old nanny tar. And I got into, she was cutting around an open spur. And I thought, sweet, she's going to feed into this gut. And I dropped right in on where she was. And then I was about 60 metres away, which is like I could shoot a target at 60, but I'm not willing to take that shot on the animal. It's just, there's just too much margin for error. And so she was coming through and then she just put her head up and thought, no, nah, I don't want to eat in here. and Turned around <laughs> and walked away. And I'm like, what? But then it's an open spur. And so I couldn't just sprint down there and, and have a shot. And so I sort of had to, Oh yeah, she's gone through there and managed to cut round and down the spur, and I caught the glimpse of her back when she walked between two bits of tussock, and I thought, oh yeah, she's gone into here, and I cut across to the side a bit more, being super super quiet because I was inside that sort of twenty metre mark, and there was a little bank there, and I just thought she's going to walk out on there, and there was a big rock on the end of it, and I'm like, she's a tar, she's going to stand on the, she's going to stand on that rock for a, for a while. And I just had my gut feeling just said, she's about to walk out. And I just come to full draw. Would have been, yeah, about the time she was about to walk out. And sure enough, she steps up on this rock at 15 metres, but had me just pinned. I was Like I was crouched down and everything, but within that range, she just pinned me down. Something was up again. But because I had worked out where she was going, I was ready. And so she was looking straight at me, but the arrow was pretty much on its way. Mm -hmm. And so she just... Yeah, pretty much got yourself ready to go in the freezer.
1: Yeah, nice. So I guess as a bow hunter, and, and my wife's come up on this podcast a few times already, like she's a vet, um, and, and so she has, a, a, I guess, her own version of um, ethics and so forth. And, and she's she's very pro-hunting, so don't let this be the whole question for yeah. you. But um, like as a bow hunter, do you do you have more... I guess, anti-pressure based on, and, and I say arguably because I don't believe it, but perceive from the outside that there's more risk of harming or maiming or it's not yeah, as efficient hunt. death. And From the from the hunting I've seen, both as guiding and you know, with guys using a boat, it's a very efficient death when it's done right. So I, Yeah, um, yeah I, I know that and that's in there. But from the outside looking in, is it sort of not like, you know, like, where do, where do their arguments come from?
2: Well, 100% the arguments are there. Um, just the same as Pagani with the dogs. Like, mm-hmm. there's always going to be that controversy there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is not so much arguments, but more or less questions like, can you actually kill an animal with a bow? A lot of people don't believe it. Mm-hmm. But you could kill anything with a bow. You just have to get in to that comfortable range, that close range, and put the arrow where it needs to be. And so, like, I'm dead set, I will not take a shot if I think there's, like, a chance for that animal to be wounded and run away. Mm. And I think, like, if a lot of people are doing that, then there's no difference between that and rifle hunting.
1: I, I, I actually see it from the few I know, and it's probably one thing that I hope remains whilst the sport grows, yeah, um, because I, at the moment I would consider bow hunters more critical of their own abilities and the resulting injury slash death of the animal than rifle hunters, because yeah. anybody can, you know, and I, based on the way the current firearms licensing and so forth goes, like basically anybody can get a rifle. Yeah, anybody can do any number of days on the hill hunting. And unfortunately, what that means is somebody that's done two or three days and one down a range can then go and shoot deer. Yeah. And without, with the rifle, without the technology, the ability, and when I say technology, like the optics or the ranging and stuff, like yeah. there's guys going up there and they've got actually no idea how far things, and it's not their fault, we allow it, it's, it's, yeah, that's but they've right. got no idea how far they're shooting. They've got no real appreciation for their own ability. So, uh, comparative to a bow hunter that knows his own limit, and there there will always be good practitioners and not so good. Yeah, there will like always that. be a handful within every that hooker. Like. Yeah, but I just I, I think as a whole, you guys are really good, and I hope as bow hunting grows because I believe it will. Um, you know, like been lucky enough to be around it overseas, and I know how popular it is over there, and we're just typically following New Zealand fashion. We'll catch up, and um, you know, but I just hope that. I guess the, the key or the base of the guys that are bow hunting now have the ability to, to share their ethos, you know, yeah. so the so the next That's right. Line of bow hunters pick up the same thing.
2: Yeah, and that's where the whole thing on social media, like people like myself, we need to be getting it out there like the good practices of a good clean kill and what you need to be doing with that sort of thing just to keep that new generation that are getting into it mm-hmm. like on the straight and narrow. Because it's, it's it's a similar thing, like you do get that handful that are just going to go and if there's, lead, if, if there's lead in the yeah. air, there's hope. Yeah, You get the same sort of thing, but we need to try and like, as people get educated as hunters, try and steer them away from that as they yep. start. Yep. And I think that's, yeah, where social media can positively sort yeah. of portray and, it. and you know, I
1: think for hunters as a whole, because obviously this podcast is for hunters across the board in any form, like, it's really important that we share our passion with the world, but we share it tastefully. Like, yeah. there's got to be a shift in there. And it's happening, but there's really got to be – we've got to start thinking about the actual potential negative consequences that can come from poor photos, um, distasteful shots. Like, there's so much – positive that can be achieved by hunters showing their enjoyment of the environment. Like Mm. good scenic shots. Yeah. And then respect for animals. Like photo you you you'll have an amazing ability to have photos of live animals in close range like that arguably photographers can only dream of. Like but there's so much that we can deliver to the uninformed. Not necessarily anti-hunters, because we're sort of really quick to bracket ourselves as hunters versus anti-hunters. But there's a lot of people that are just uninformed and show them that you know, whilst we hunt, and yes, we do uh, kill animals, but we use them resourcefully, but we enjoy what it is we do, and we enjoy the environment, and we challenge ourselves mentally, physically. Like, it, it shares us positively. And that's what we need to be doing with social yeah, media. Yeah, that's right. I like yeah. it. Um, the, the, I, I like to think there's a small change happening, and partly because I see less kiwis crouched over the, the head of a stag with its tongue hanging out and blood dripping down. and Yeah. A DVD gun, can gun and between back. the antlers. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. The gun pointed the wrong way, the bolts closed. Bolts Yeah. Or, you know, and I'm a, I'm a passionate pick on it, but I, I just cringe when I see the photos of guys with their ripped dogs on Facebook. Yeah. Um,
2: or the rope dog on the ear you yeah, just tuned. It,
1: it, it, it happens. The, mm. and, but there's so much in this world that happens, but it just doesn't need to be shared. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and I, I, there's way bigger pictures than that, and that's a whole other topic, but it just, I think the first thing we need to appreciate as hunters is, is how we are sharing our passion with the world. We've got to, as Kiwis, we need to change. I guess our attitude was a little bit like, well, they can't tell us what to do. It's New Zealand. We hunt. We've always hunted and we'll keep hunting. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's aged thinking now. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've seen enough of it around the world and, you know, you see other countries battling it severely and, and some have had lucky wins and some have had big losses. If if they really wanted to put some pressure here on New Zealand, like it could come in a big form and and without education, without wanting to talk about it, we'd just try and fight it. And yeah, that probably wouldn't right. work that well. Nah. So I think the first step is definitely for Kiwi's for to to themselves more positively. So I guess I guess because I've really enjoyed this chat about bow Hunting, it's very different for me. But do you have one Standout bow hunting story that is just resonates with you the most. How was it because you've already done water buffalo? Is that what I picked up on? How was your water buffalo hunt? Because I've, oh, I've shot buffalo with a rifle, so that was
2: that was unreal. So when I, I did a stint living in Australia and did some real cool things, like that's the beauty of bow hunting, like everything is such a challenge that you'll end up with so many different stories that just. Bounce around your head all the time while you're at work slaving away mm-hmm. but um so when I was over there yeah went up to the territory and hunted buff and I was only 18 and had said to a lot of people sort of a couple of years before that that I was just mad keen on wanting to shoot a buff with the bow and that nah can't do that the boy won't kill a buff <laughs> and I said well I'll show you and just the same like if you're Shooting well, have good gear, and can put that arrow where it needs to be, you could kill anything. Mm-hmm. And so, on the first morning in the territory, I was lucky enough to get the drop on a bull, and got into about twelve or thirteen meters, I think it was, and put my arrow straight through the top of his heart. Mm-hmm. And I think he went ten meters, and that was the end of that. Yeah. And that's a that's, a, that's a, with the rifle and yeah. went ten meters. Yeah, they just put that arrow in the good spot and that's into end of that but we had one really like crazy hunt chasing the buff we were out there sort of on the edge of some thicker like tree country on a bit of a like a swampy wetland as they love to hang out on and they sort of got a swirling wind or something and they started to sort of move off into the trees and we looped around because it was quite thick and you could hear them moving around through the sticks and that and we got in front of them and we thought oh this is a That's all good. But when you've got a big mob of buff steaming (laughs) through the bush, I was sort of stunned to think, like, maybe this isn't a good idea. And this buff come through, and it seen us at about 15, 20 metres. I was already on full draw, and it just came charging in, and it pulled up. It was like a false charge. It put its head up, like nose down, just looking down its nose at us. And it was only at about 6 metres now. Just staring straight at us and it was almost it all happened so fast, it, it seemed like it took an age. And yeah, I managed to just put my arrow right in the sweet spot there and it was like mm. a fire hose, the blood was just pumping out. Yeah. And like it was that close, the blood was almost hitting us. Yeah. And I just I couldn't believe it. I thought we were gonna probably die. <laughs> I thought I was gonna get trampled. Yeah. And the and the buff only ran about five metres and, and carked it. Yeah. But that was that was pretty crazy for mm. for a young Kiwi lad. To yeah, be definitely. over there and thinking he was gonna get run over by a buff. Yeah. Um, and that was all captured on film and it's awesome to, yeah. to relive that. Yeah. But there's heaps of oh, there's heaps of crazy moments like that. I remember um when I was twelve or thirteen, uh, um, me and the old man were out in the sounds and we seen this pig and he sort of said, Oh, it's about a seventy pounder, you have a got that and it was walking around this track and the closer it got the bigger it got because it was in some quite long grass and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and it came past it was a good bore and i whacked it pretty good and it ran down the hill in the scrub and pulled up and he was sort of yeah put his bow down and had his camera up and that sort of thing and it nearly bowled him off this track <laughs> as it ran past us and down the hill and we sort of went down and it was still floundering around and we got right in on where it was uh, it hadn't gone too far and he's behind me filming and he says to me "Oh." i'm Shaking like crazy, I was only a young fellow. hadn't hadn't shot a good ball before. Yeah. And he says to me, "When it jumps up, make sure you shot a spot on." I'm like, oh yeah, we, we, righto. <laughs> and we got in that's real close. That like, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. You, you need it to be muscle memory because yeah. your mind, it like I remember it like it was yesterday. My mind was going crazy. And we get into about six or seven meters of this big boar, and he just leaps up roaring just like they do when the dogs mm-hmm. are on him. But all I've got is a stick and a string. And I line him up and I smoked him beautifully. And he just comes straight out of where he was, just bristles out, roaring, just coming straight for us. And I, I reckon I would have left Usain Bolt in the dust. <laughs> I was gone. I thought, oh, no, I'm in front. I'm going to get run over. And the old man, because we looked back, he was videoing that. You just hear him cracking up, laughing, and not really paying attention. And this big ball just mows him. Yep. it like blows him straight off his feet <laughs> he tries to kick it it runs into his other leg and he ends up on the floor but luckily the boar pretty much just blew him yep. off his feet Stand, and fell yeah. over yeah but that, that's another moment that just pops up just yep. like that it was, yeah it was crazy yeah. it's not like the a, gun where you're going to knock it over it's, it's still yeah it still might eat you
1: yeah yeah definitely <laughs> yeah, I've uh, been around like beers been shot with the bow and yeah um, but the one the, the from a rifle hunter you know with an, and then an ambitious bow hunter, um, you know the one thing I would definitely say is, you know, when, when the beers I've seen shot with bow, uh, it's it's somewhat looks pain free. Yeah, like it's almost confusion. Yeah. Whereas with the rifle, they look for the response of the noise and they, you know, it's yeah. uh, it's very different. But um, you touched on there the filming side of stuff. Like, is that something you still do? Like, obviously, you're not hunting with your dad as much now that you live in you know half an hour on the way but yeah
2: well, when i can mm-hmm. I like be hard to have a, it's a it's, cameraman that
1: yeah shares the same ability as you yourself as a bow hunter yeah
2: it's very 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 hard to film bow hunting over the shoulder mm-hmm. um yeah well, i recently went away with the hunters club boys mm-hmm. and we got some pretty cool footage over the shoulder bow hunting there but you have to wait until the Yeah. Episode to see that, but that's that's pretty neat. That's about as cool as it gets over the shoulder. Yeah. Um, I'd like to do more, Mm -hmm. but I do a lot of my hunting on my own, and so I just don't really have the resources to do that. I do a lot of photography. Mm -hmm. Like like you touched on earlier, it's it's you're right in close. You're in some cool places. Why not capture Mm it? But then like you get real close to a tar, and if you're trying to take the photo, then it's hard. It's hard to do both. yeah, Yeah. But like if you have a good run and you shoot a tar and your freezes full and that sort of thing, then you're close enough and you can camera. take the photo.
1: Yeah. 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 It's different. And like I like I, uh I guess my my thing is like I've got some mounts on the wall and I've got lots of photos, but my memory bank within me, um, far exceeds any of that. And that's where I put my real value. Um you yeah. know, I, through the podcast and stuff I'll probably share stories, but at my ultimate OE trains I share stories. Yeah, family, yeah, for sure. Issue stories and and you know, I imagine you've got equally as many, if not more, already. You know, even though you're a bit younger than me. Um, but that, that's that's part of hunting, and that's that's something you know, like again, touching on the social media stuff. But like, we as hunters need to look at it for far more than just the killing of the animals. Like, yeah, that's right. There's like, so much more goes on. Yeah,
2: like what we were saying earlier. There's so much more to it. Like, you're in some awesome country, you're seeing some awesome things, and they're unreal memories. Mm -hmm. Like, I've got, like like I was saying at the start, like, following my old man round on the hill, like, I don't have a very good memory from Mm -hmm. when I was young, Mm -hmm. but I remember every hunt like it was yesterday. Like, I often go home and sit down with a bear with him, and, oh, you remember that one, and, oh, you remember (laughs) that one. I just about remember them better than him. Yeah. But it's something that, like... I'll grow cool. old and still be able to tell those awesome mm. memories. Or, or a
1: variation of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, right.
2: The yeah. stag will probably get bigger as, yeah. as the years go by, and yeah. just like a good fishing story. Yep, exactly. Um, but that's the whole cool thing, like the that epic adventures, really. Mm-hmm. And the, the, they, they they make a hell of a yarn at the pub.
1: Yeah, um, and, and we're fortunate enough to live in a country that we can do that. Like, yeah, that's know, right. Like, yeah, like there there is some really big stuff. So, I guess we've we've had a bit of a chat now. Um, like what what's the one one bit of gear or the one bit of kit? And obviously, your bow itself always has to go on a bow and a trip. But what's your one thing that you always take with you?
2: Uh, well, me bow always comes along. Uh, I always have my release aid because that so that you clip that onto the string. You come to full draw. And you essentially are pulling the trigger. Mm -hmm. And that's so... Like the release of the arrow is consistent every time. And that's a pretty important part. Mm -hmm. You can do it without it, but it's not as efficient. So like back in the day, they never had them at all. Um. So I always remember that. I'd like to say my rangefinder, but I always forget it. (laughs) But that is a very, very handy bit of kit. So, yeah. Um,
1: Because her you have a pretty good ability to judge range when you're within tw- 20 metres or are you still yep. going yep.
2: through the most? Yeah, if I'm close enough, I won't range it at all. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, again, going back to when I was growing up, with the old man, like he said to me, if it's far enough, you need to range it. It's, it's too, too far away. Yeah. yeah. But we're talking like 30 metres. Yeah, 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 Um. yeah. But, yeah, it was just to get closer. Like, yeah. it's there to be done. Yeah. Um, and I guess I was quite lucky when I was young. The country we were hunting was really good for stalking. Like it was open country, but with a bit of, with enough, enough cover, yeah. and it was really good to learn those skills to get in close and mm. then sort of transfer it from that to the hunting that I'm doing mm. now. But, yeah, you get good at judging distance at close. If I have time, I like to range it just to be sure. Because
1: um, does it, like, from a... Very you know, I've got no idea. Like, once you're at twenty, does does two or three metres make a difference?
2: It does, yeah. Yeah. So oh, 2 or three metres may not. But when you're talking five or ten metres it could make a big difference, all depending on going back to that gear. Like if you have a sort of cheaper bow that's not as fast, sort of a bit older and that sort of thing. The arrow, like the trajectory, just the same as like a like a bullet, um, will drop away a lot like a lot sooner and that sort of thing, whereas a Slightly better bow that's moving a bit faster and a bit more powerful won't drop as much, mm-hmm. but that's uh, that's where those few shots after work come in handy because you get familiar with it. You get familiar with the gear. Um, a big one is the angle. The mm-hmm. angle will bugger you up. So like you'll be like, oh, it's twenty meters and you'll just aim for twenty meters. But being steep downhill or something, you got to aim low because the arrow's mm-hmm. going to go high. And um, that's where I spent a little bit more coin when I was younger and got a range finder that worked out the angle for me yeah. and 100% that has helped with so many animals over the years mm-hmm. because I yeah, went away on a trip with a young fellow mate of mine and I just completely forgot my range finder, I don't know what was going on but I just forgot it and after a couple of days of chasing tar and getting really close but not as close as I'd like, I asked him if I could borrow his one and his one didn't work out the angle but I didn't actually know that at the time. and I found a cracking bull and I thought sweet we'll try and get in and like he was was a thumper and we'll try and get in and we'll make sure everything is is spot on for the shot and I got into about 40 meters and I'm sitting behind these spear grasses and he's in this creek feeding no claws there some pretty like full-on gusts of wind and so I just sat there waiting and I'd like pretend to come to full draw now it's a bit windy and I'd just sit there and wait he was happy as feeding didn't know I was there And I just did everything right, ranged it at 40 metres. I'd been practising every day leading up to that trip and thought, sweet, chances are Mm -hmm. I should be able to put the shot where I want it. And just waited, waited. I would have been there for 15, 20 minutes within 40 metres of this big bull. And then I thought, sweet, now's my chance to take a shot. Lined him up beautifully, had my pin right in the middle of his chair, slowly squeezed his shot off nicely I went straight over his shoulder. <laughs> I could have cried. Yeah, um, it was just the perfect situation, and just not having the right gear and being that little bit like further than normal away. Yeah. Just yeah, just clean missed them. Right. Yeah, but no, you can't want them all.
1: No, you can't want them all, and that's that's why you get back out there, I guess. Well, I guess um, that's that's been a pretty good conversation. Um, we've we kept it nice and light, which I wanted to do with the bow and stuff because I think it's important that people saw or hear. You know the 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 challenge that comes with bow hunting. Yeah, for sure. And they want to do it. So how do people? We touched on the social media. How do people follow you, Caden? Like, or, or, or do you have any other social media pages outside of yourself? Like, how do we? Yeah, yeah. Just tell yeah, us. Yeah,
2: so I've got my um, Facebook page that's Caden Willis Bow Hunting New Zealand, and I've got an Instagram which is just Caden Willis. Um, if you check those out, like you can see all my photos and a few videos. See what I'm up to. See what trips I'm. I'm doing, and you can also just message me on there, I'm open to helping people that are trying to get into the sport, like, it's an awesome sport, I really love it, and I really want to try and get more people into it, mm-hmm. so if anyone wants to message me, they're more than welcome to, and I can try my best to help them out.
1: Yeah, cool, so I'll I'll um, share that again when I put the close on the podcast, but also, um, we'll have some formal podcast notes on the Educator Hunter page so they can yep. go in there and, and get their stuff there and yeah, cool. and check Caden out. Yeah,
2: that sounds good.
1: But that's it. So um, thank you again, Caden. It's Hi. been really good to uh, have a conversation around something I don't know anything about, but equally have an open conversation with a young hunter in New Zealand that um, obviously puts a big value on practising um you know and, and and the result of practicing that it has the the result of practicing has on ethics you know in terms of the animals that you're harvesting the the, the shot placements um you know the, the the background on when the freezer's empty you go and harvest one but if it's full then maybe you take the camera like a lot of really good stuff for a young guy um so well done to you for that yeah and, sure. and thank you for your time tonight
2: yeah thanks for having me it's been pretty cool to be on the podcast really it's an awesome opportunity to try and get all of those things that you just mentioned out there to try Mm -hmm. and get that sort of like into the young people that are trying to start out just -hmm. to make sure they're starting out on the right foot
1: cool Alrighty. well thank you we'll leave it at that cheers
0: thank you for listening to the educated hunter podcast if you would like to receive a short email from us once a fortnight that contains everything that we've found interesting educational entertaining or inspiring within the hunting world as well as updates on relevant hunting issues our on the ground initiatives and any upcoming events please visit theeducatedhunter.com forward slash join you can also check us out on instagram at theeducatedhunter, hunter or finally join the conversation in the educated hunter facebook group the links for all this can be found below in the show notes as always Thanks for listening and catch you on the clearing.